Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Man, wasn't that a powerful, great song that we just sang about what God is doing, what he has done through the redemption of mankind by sending his son Jesus. And I love that song. And today we're going to be focused on uh, something that happened uh, literally thousands and uh, uh, 500 years or so earlier and began thousands of years before that. But somebody introduced me to a phrase years ago called the scarlet thread of history. And the scarlet thread of history is what we see in God's work from the beginning of mankind all the, all the way through now and beyond. And today what we're going to be looking at is something that happened 500 years before Jesus came into this world that really set the stage for what would happen by him sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and what we just sang about. And wow, it's such a great reason to celebrate. And if you came in today and you're one of those who believes in Jesus as your Savior, you've put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, you have the hope of eternity with God in heaven one day. And if you're here today and you're skeptical, our prayer is that you would join in and that you would one day put your trust and your faith in Jesus. And today, um, oddly enough, we're going all the way back to Daniel chapter 6 as we continue in this series that we um, have entitled Lion Tamer. And uh, I'm Todd, by the way. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you I don't know, really glad that you're here today. I told you last week that um, when Cynthia and I um, have meetings on what we're going to do with certain message series coming up, I'm always like the, the boring guy that's like, you know, here's the three points, here's like what I want to communicate and that sort of thing. And she's like, here's what we can do creatively. And like, this is what we can do. And so we, when I told her Lion Tamer a few months back, um, she said, let's find a lion and get him on stage with you. And so to that joking idea, I jokingly responded, yeah, right. And then I realized she was serious. And then I very seriously said, no, absolutely not. So someone came up to me this morning, and uh, they gave me their grandkids. This is Dave Bisbee. <laughs> Dave and Gail is your grandkids. Is that right? Did I get that right? So, Cynthia, you got your lion. Isn't that great? Awesome. Very good. It's actually mine, and I sleep with it every night. No, I'm just kidding. Bryce, thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. So we got our lion on stage. I made the programming director and the creative very happy. All right. So today, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Daniel chapter 6. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 today, and we get to the lion taming story today. Some of you have been waiting for this. You've been like, where, when are we going to get there? When are we going to be in that point where we see the big part of this story, the dramatic part of this story? And all along the way, we've seen different points of drama in Daniel's life and in the life last week of his friends. And today we get to the point where we find out that Daniel truly is a lion tamer, both literally and figuratively today. And for the purpose of our message series, what we've been doing is we've been talking about the fact that we can become a lion tamer in terms, figuratively, in terms of taming the people or things or perhaps movements in our lives, whether they're in place now or whether they're in the place in the future. They're going to try to pull us off of what God is doing in terms of trying to redeem mankind. And in terms of his values and what his word says about how we should live and what his best is for us. 
And I promise that you in your life are either going, you're either in a time right now where you have a lion in your life, someone of influence, whether it's great influence or whether it's someone influence at a very basic level, and, and you're going to have some sort of influence on the influencer. And next week, we're going to wrap this up by seeing all that Daniel and his friends accomplished and seeing the major change that was made. But today we get to this point in the story where, where we see the, the most dramatic part of this story where Daniel literally becomes a, a, a lion tamer of sorts. And he relies on God to do what seems impossible. I, you know, when I think about the different characters in the Bible, there are some who started well and they didn't end very well. And there are some in Scripture who started really in a bad way, like Saul, who ended up being Paul, and they ended very strong. And then there are some who started well, and they ended well. And I want you to think for a moment about someone in your life, or perhaps in your school, or in your family, or in a church in the past, or maybe in your industry or your business. Someone who started well, and ended well in terms of character and integrity. There's a lot of people that we can think of in the Christian community. Unfortunately, there's probably a lot more that we can think of who started well and, and didn't end so well. But one of the people that I think of who's coming close to the end of his life who started well and ended well is a guy by the name of Billy Graham. He started well in terms of what God called him to do in spreading the gospel message. And here he is, well into his, I believe, 90s. I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that, but um, very, very, very close to um, meeting Jesus pretty soon. And I can say with certainty that he has ended well. And he has done God's work in his life. And I want you to think this morning of someone who you admire, who's maybe gone before you or is in your life right now, who is ending well in terms of integrity and in terms of... Of character. And I want you to ask yourself the question how did they get there? How did they get to the place where they lived their lives in such a way that they ended well? Because it's easy to get started for God and to follow Him in the beginning when things are new, when you've just become a Christ follower, when you've just accepted Jesus as your Savior, when God has just recently awakened you. What's difficult is to sustain that and then to end well. And the character we're going to look at today, Daniel, and what he went through is a great example of someone who started well and ended well. Just as a way of review, we began in week one by looking at the fact that Daniel and his friends chose to keep themselves pure by not eating the king's food, and we learned that becoming a lion tamer begins when we honestly assess our own level of personal integrity, and we saw Daniel as a young boy being taken by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar out of Jerusalem, his home, and, and taken captive and moved all the way to what is modern-day Baghdad and, and moved very far from Jerusalem, especially at that day and at that time. And he's taken out of his custom and he's asked to eat the king's food and he chooses not to. And he remains pure and integrity and being a lion tamer began because he was a young person of integrity. In week two, we talked about how Daniel interpreted these king's dreams that were crazy and they had truths that the, the kings probably didn't want to hear. But Daniel communicated the truth anyway. And he did it in a way that was direct and truthful yet loving 
and kind. And he did it in a way that they respected him. And if we're going to be lion tamers, not only must we assess our own personal level of integrity, but we've got to effectively learn to speak the truth to lions. And last week we found that Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to the God uh, that that had been made, that had been set up as as an idol. And they wouldn't bow down to it because they worshiped the one true God. And we found out last week that our faith is forged fully and effective when we courageously stand for God, regardless of whether we know that he's going to come through or not. And we found that out through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And today we come to this story that a lot of you know. And perhaps you really never grew up in church or never um, were in a church as, as a child, but maybe you have seen, um, you know, a, a cartoon representation or maybe a, a, some kind of dramatic representation. This is one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. And so if you're a God follower or if you're not, you probably have heard about Daniel in the lion's den. In fact, it was kind of funny this morning on the way to church at Sydney and Sean. They told me I could tell this story, by the way. I have to get their permission now that they're getting older. When they were young, I could tell stories, and I did it, and I didn't get their permission. And I learned the hard way. I needed to get their permission as they got older. But anyway, I asked them about this. And I said, hey, tell me what you know about um, Daniel in the lion's den. And they went through, and they, they, like, had it down. Now, some of you are like, well, yeah, they're pastor's kids. That does not necessarily make them biblical scholars, trust me, all right? So anyway, and I said, Sydney in particular, I'm like, how did, where did you know all this? And I was expecting her to say, like, you know, Hilton Head Christian Academy, the school that she went, she doesn't go there now, but Sean goes there, and um, she went there for a long time, or maybe I really thought they'd say, well, from you, Dad, you know, like, and um, she says, I got all that information from VeggieTales. So anyway, yes, proud dad moment there as a pastor. <laughs> That was awesome this morning. Thank you, Sydney, for letting me share that story. So thank you, VeggieTales, too. Uh, so anyway, they got it from VeggieTales. But this is one of the most intriguing stories in all of Scripture. And today we're going to be, begin kind of the story, and next week we'll end it a little bit because we're going to talk about um, what happened to the response of this king. Now, if you've ever studied um, world history, this is a vitally important time in world history. Babylon... And the Babylonian Empire was the strongest empire to this point in history that had ever existed. Nebuchadnezzar, who had been the king of Babylon, was the most ruthless king that had ever lived on the face of the earth. And if you go back and read about what he did to the the Jewish people in Jerusalem when he took them captive, it's just awful. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that last week. But this is a point in history where there's a changing of the guard. Because um, Babylon is about ready to be taken over by Persia. And so we have this kind of like crosshairs of Babylon being the empire that's ruling and Persia coming in. And the reason that this is important is because Persia now becomes a longer standing empire than Babylon ever was and really begins to set the stage for the Jews to go back into Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple a second time. And so we see that played out in Nehemiah, and and that's important in the the history of what we just sang about, God redeeming all of mankind, because there's coming a day, and Daniel goes into this, there's coming a day when that temple's going to be rebuilt, and God's going to come back, and it's going to be a whole different ballgame at that point in time. 
So the story of redemption, that red scarlet thread of history, is still going on. And we see in the first five chapters of Daniel that he is young. Now, how many of you thought that Daniel, when he was thrown in the lion's den, which we're about ready to read, how many of you, just be honest for a minute, thought that he was under the age of like, let's say, I'll take me, 45 years old. How many of you thought he was under the age of 45? All right. Um, most people think that because in Veggie Tales and in the stories we see, they often portray a young Daniel. You know, you know I grew up in a, we didn't have many cartoons or Veggie Tales when, when I grew up. We had Flannel Graph. And uh, Flannel Graph was how the Bible stories were told in the 1970s and 80s, all right? So we had Flannel Graph, and they would always put Daniel up, this little character of flannel on the Flannel Graph, and Daniel was always really young, But I want to let you know that Daniel, at this point in the story, is probably somewhere in his 60s, 70s, or some scholars think even his 80s. And so when we think of Daniel in the lion's den, we're not thinking about someone who's, you know, 19 or 25 years old with great energy and youthfulness and strength to be able to handle that lion, Because 25 is a lot different than 60 or 70 or 80, isn't it? I know that because 25 is a lot different than 44. And it's a lot different than 40. And I'm sure it's a lot different than 50. And so what we see here is is that Daniel has gotten older. And this story actually takes place. It kind of fast forwards the story in, in the timeline of history. And Daniel's actually a lot older. And I think that sometimes we miss that because we think he's young. And I want to let you know today, if you're here today and, and you're in that phase of life where, you know, you've got a lot past you, there's a lot more behind you than it is in front of you, um, there is a, a still a great opportunity for you to show integrity and character and to make a difference for God in eternity moving forward. And if you're here today and you're a student and you're young, the things that you're doing right now, the things that you're going to be doing tomorrow will set the stage for you to either end well or to not end well. For you to fulfill fully what God is going to do in your life or to miss out on that great thing that he has for you. And so today we're going to be looking at this great story about this older man who had great influence, great wisdom, great reputation. Let's dive in and we're going to start with verse 3. Let's take a look at this. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and say traps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, at this point in time, the king is uh, King uh, Darius, or Darius, just pronounced either way. Uh, we'll take a look at that in a moment. Verse 4. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he, what's that next word? What does it say? He was what? He was faithful. And there was no error or fault that was found in him. Then these men, verse 5, said this, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now, um, Darius has become king. 
And we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. We're not sure in history if Darius is a separate king or Darius is a second king or if he actually is Cyrus, the great Persian king. It's very possible that they're one and the same because the word Darius actually is a little bit more of a title for a king. And there, there's some indication that perhaps they're the same person. Doesn't matter in the context of what we're talking about today. This was the first and great king of the transition between the Babylonian Empire and the Persian Empire. And this was a king who really was seeking to do the right thing for God. And all of a sudden, you have Daniel who's trying to stand for God. You have this king that is trying to do something something great for God, and you have what we were introduced to in the first chapter and last week, and that is, is you have these people that are jealous and irritated that there's one that is more influential, that there's one that has the promotion, there's one that is getting all the kudos, and they are called haters. And today, as we dive into this story, rather than judging the haters, I want you to check your heart. And I want to check my heart to make sure that we are not haters as well, because I think we can easily fall into that trap. Let's keep moving now that we have the haters set up, these high officials that are trying to undermine what Daniel's trying to do. Verse 6, then these high officials and satraps came by agreement. They came by agreement. That means that they came together, that they were coming together to, to do something. They came in agreement to the king And they said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials are all the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed. They're coming to the king and they're telling him that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any other god And and I want to insert right there, other than you, king, or man, for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Now, I don't know if you get this picture here, but these guys that have come together, they are coming together, and and they are agreeing together to try to undermine what Daniel is trying to do. They're trying to take the one that has done good, that is pure of heart, that is righteous, that is trying to do something great for God, and they are trying to undermine him. But I want you to pay attention to the way that they're doing this. They're not trying to go to Daniel or his friends or his family and undermine him. They're not trying to set a trap for Daniel. They do, they do that in a way in a moment. They begin by going to who? The king. They begin to undermine, these haters do, they begin to undermine Daniel by going to the one that can have the greatest influence. Man, if the evil people get that, we are the people of God who are supposed to be righteous We ought to be so bold. I mean, they go right to the king. But not only do they go to the king, they appeal to his ego. Oh, king, live forever. They always do that all throughout Daniel. 
And they say, you know, what we need here is we need to protect you and we need to protect your honor. And, and we need to ensure that you're the only one that's praised and you're the only one that's worthy. So what needs to happen is, is now that the Persian Empire is taking over, we need for you to sign a law in order that says if anyone worships any other god other than you, that they be thrown in the lion's den. And by the way, king, we've prepared the law for you. We've done the hard work for you. And all you have to do, I almost spilled my water there. All you have to do is sign this document. And what does King Darius do? He falls right into their trap. And he signs the document. He's taken completely. And so therefore, King Darius signed the injunction in the document. And we have this setting the stage for Daniel in the lion's den that these haters went to the influencer and got the job done that they wanted to do. They've set the stage for Daniel to have a fall. Look what happens next in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem, and he got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God because he wanted to make a great show for all in the land. It doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? It says that he gave thanks before his God as he what? Had done previously. Daniel, in response to this new law, this new edict, this new injunction that would surely put him in the the den of lions, did what Daniel probably did for the past 40 or 50 or 60 years of his life, day in and day out. He got on his knees and he met with the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God that would eventually, five or 600 years later, send his son into the world to die for the sins of the world. The God that one day is going to come back and reestablish his kingdom. The God that is going to make all things new, that is making all things new. He got on his knees and did what he had done every day of his life. And I don't know about you, but that's incredibly convicting to me. Because he did not do this just for show. He didn't enter into some kind of civil unrest just to rock the boat. It says that he did what he always had done. And that was as he did the hard work with he in God alone in his room with the windows open. In Babylon at this time, this would not have been um, a window that was any, like any window that we had. Babylon was an absolutely amazing city for its day and time. And the doors would have been um, very easy for a guy like me, as my wife pointed out earlier, that's really short to walk through. <laughs> but it would have been easy for the tallest person in this room to walk through. And the windows would have been opened and you would have been able to see for miles and you would have been able to see the sky and the stars at night because the windows would have gone almost from the floor to the ceiling. And every day of his life, Daniel got on his knees and he worshipped God. And he did it with the windows open so that he could worship God in that mode and in that environment. Verse 11, let's keep reading. Then these men 
these haters. Here we are again. They came by, say it with me again, they came by what? Agreement. They were plotting together. And they found Daniel making petition. They grabbed their infrared, you know, scopes, and they had their iPhones in secret, and they set up, um, you know, they had their drone, and they flew the drone up into the window, and they caught him, oh my goodness, worshiping the one true God. They found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and they said before the king concerning the injunction, Oh, king, I love these guys. They're, they're just so, like, ridiculous. Did you, king, not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions as if he didn't know that? Then the king answered and said, this thing stands fast. Yes, I did sign that. Yes, it is in place according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. It cannot be revoked. And then they realized they've got him. He signed the law. He agreed to it. Daniel worshipped another god. Now we've got him. Verse 13, they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, Pays no attention to you, O king. By the way, um, that little phrase right there, Daniel is one of the exiles from Judah, that would have been a, a derogatory remark. That would have been something that would have been very offensive to any who was there from Jerusalem, any who had been taken captive in Babylon. They're just taunting Daniel. They're taunting the king. They answered and said before the king, Daniel is one of the exiles from Jerusalem. He pays no attention to you, O king. Or the injunction that you have signed, but he makes petition three times a day. They come to the king like he doesn't know what's going on. Like he doesn't know who Daniel was. The king knows exactly what's going on. And all of a sudden he realizes what he inadvertently has done. Verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, he was much distressed. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it's the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Verse 16, then the king commanded. And Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And he declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with two different seals, ensuring that these, um, the stone would not be moved. Look at verse 18. Then the king went to his palace, and he spent the night, what? Fasting. And no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled him. You see, he was a king, so if he couldn't sleep, you know what he had? He had music. And it probably wasn't his, his iPhone. <laughs> this was like a band. This was like people with instruments who served the king and played music so that he could rest and go to sleep. But not on this night. This night, nothing could cause him to go to sleep because he was bothered by what had happened. Have you ever had insomnia? Have you ever been up all night not able to sleep because of something that has been done that you're just concerned about? I have. I have. I know many of you have. This is a king that we kind of make up in our minds who was evil, the one who threw Daniel in the lion's den. He was up all night because he did, was so concerned about his part 
in throwing Daniel into the lion's den. And check this out in verse 19. Then at the break of day, the king arose. He went with haste, or he went in haste to the den of lions, like Christmas morning with like a four and a six-year-old, like rushing down the stairs to see what had happened. Verse 20, as he came, except he's not excited, he's fearful. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of, what's that next word? Anguish. He declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And much to his relief, Daniel spoke up from the den of the lions and said, O king, live forever. I heard a pastor say that no one ate that night. (laughs) Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. He didn't eat. The king was worried. He fasted. He didn't eat. And we know the lions didn't eat. I love that. May God send his angels and shut the mouth, or my God sent his angels, in verse 22, and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, king, I have done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den so that Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the lion's den. They and their children and their wives, and there actually is a spiritual reason for that, and we'll get to that next week. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. Um, If you read Daniel and you read about the haters, you're not going to want to ever be a hater in your life ever. Because they didn't last. They didn't last. I I can't imagine what this was like for Daniel. Daniel being thrown into that den of lions with these lions who historians say had a ramp that went down into the den because they didn't want the lions to get hurt as they went down. Because if they broke a leg as they went down into this den, or if something happened to their jaw, they couldn't do the job that the lions were supposed to do. Yet the humans who were being punished were thrown into the pit from far away. So Daniel goes down into this this den of lions, and he's not harmed all night. And I get the feeling that the, that the king um, lost a lot more sleep than Daniel did that night. I get the feeling in this story that Daniel was completely confident that his God was going to deliver him. And today I want you to consider the three people in this story. And I want you to ask yourself the question, which one am I? Which one am I striving for? Which one are my words and my attitudes and my actions actually impacting? Daniel had haters. They tried to find something wrong in Daniel's character in verse 3. They tried to use God's word against Daniel in verse 5. They appealed to the king to establish a new law to trap Daniel in verses 6 and 7. They pressured the king to sign the new law, even handed it across to him, um, designed to trap Daniel. They spied on Daniel when he was worshiping God. They appealed to the king to enforce the new law. They revealed that Daniel was the one who broke the new law. They reminded the king that the new law can't be changed, and they tied a brutal death along with their families because they hated the one who loved the true God. 
Can you imagine if these men, who, by the way, were religious and were probably very intelligent, had put their efforts into good rather than evil, what they could have accomplished in that time? So my question to you today is, is are you someone who is a hater? It's not going to be probably quite as direct and obvious as, as these guys were. But maybe you're one who really gets irritated and bitter when you see someone promoted or maybe when you see someone else doing something that's good for God, maybe there's something in you that gets a little bit jealous for a moment. Maybe there's something in you. and You, you might get bitter because you see something good going on in their lives. Man, I've been there before. And that root of bitterness can be an absolute poison in your life and in the life of your family, in the life of the people around you. Maybe you're the hater. I want you to realize when you do good things for God, there's always going to be haters. When we attempt to do something great for God or good for God or even small for God, there are going to be people around us who try to undermine what we're doing. Sometimes the haters live in your home. Sometimes they go to your school. Sometimes you're related to them as much as you maybe don't want to be. And sometimes they're just obvious people who are against you. We're always going to be, we're always going to have haters if we're trying to do something for God. Maybe you're like King Darius. Maybe you're in a position of influence. And maybe you're just kind of signing documents without really thinking through it. Maybe things are coming across your sight and your desk and your path. And you're pretty ambivalent towards it. I've been there before too. That's a dangerous place to be as well. Because you could be someone who's this close to being a Daniel. You're this close to being a Daniel. But because you're not paying attention to what God's doing, you're a little like King Darius and you get tricked and you get your, the wool pulled over your eyes very easily, very quickly. I've been there before. Or maybe you have someone in your life who is like a King Darius or Darius and Maybe they're closer to doing something that's amazing for God than you think. And right now, they're like King Darius or Darius. They're in turmoil over something that has happened. It says he was distressed, confused, labored, that he fasted. He was sleepless. He rushed to see what happened. He was in anguish. You know, sometimes the lions in our lives who seem to be against God and the things of God, they're actually closer to being with him and for him than we may think. And I want to encourage you today, if you're one who is a Daniel and you're having to stand up against a lion, perhaps that lion is actually closer to making a decision for God than you even think. And then maybe you're a Daniel. Or maybe you have a strong desire to be a Daniel. Maybe you have a strong desire to be the one that constantly stands up for God, that did it when he was young, when he had to say no to the king's food and the king's wine, when it would have been much easier to say yes. When he told the truth about the dreams, when it would have much been, been much easier to lie about the dreams. For whom it would have been much easier just to take the promotion without asking for his friends, his colleagues to be promoted. And to kind of brag about it too. And now at the age of 60 or 70 or 80, you're a person who you realize you need to stand 
for God. Daniel's qualities of integrity were amazing. He had an excellent spirit. He was faithful. There was no error, no fault. He served God privately. He served God continually. He was blameless. He didn't harm the king, and he trusted God. You see, Daniel's private relationship with God paved the way for his public reputation for God. That private time with God was the thing that paved the way for his public reputation for God. And i got to be honest with you, if we want to be the people, the kind of people that are lion tamers, we've got to have the same kind of attitude towards integrity and character that the lion has towards hunger and food. So today the lesson that we can learn from Daniel and being in that lion's den is that standing for God when necessary is natural and powerful and effective when we already serve him privately. I want to end today by going back to verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open towards Jerusalem. He got on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had previously done. I want to let you know as your pastor, there's been nothing that's um, convicted me more than that phrase, as he's previously done. There's been nothing more in the last six weeks, eight weeks, that's convicted me more than that phrase. As he had previously done. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower and you're part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, we got some great things going on. we got some amazing opportunities ahead of us for HHI. We've got new partners. We've got great partners both here locally and globally around the world. we got a great small group, group of people who are meeting together for small groups. We're about ready to have a great brunch together and fellowship together. And I believe that God has some amazing things that I cannot wait to tell you about later this year and early next year. But i got to be honest with you. Unless we, as his people, are doing the hard work and the private time with him, I don't think that he will use us in the public arena unless we are on our knees as we had previously done over and over and over and over again. And I hope and I pray that you're as deeply convicted about that in your life as I am. Because if we as a church do that, if we will spend time in private with God and serve him in that private place, then he will use us in amazing and remarkable ways in this community and beyond. And we will rise up and we will be Daniel, people who started well and who will end well. And that's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me. And that's my prayer for Hilton Head Island Community Church in this community. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, this story about Daniel in the lion's den is so amazing. It's full of intrigue and plot twists. And we, we love to look at the haters and we love to judge. <laughs> we love to look at the king and feel a bit bad that he made some poor choices along the way that cost him and could have cost Daniel. But God, I pray that we would look at those two groups of people and ask ourselves the questions, do we fall in those categories? Are we haters? Are we people of influence who don't realize 
the power that's in our hand to influence others? Or are we like Daniel? God, I pray that you would challenge us to move, if we're, in, if we're a hater or if we're like King Darius, that we'd move from a place, God, of just being against you or being just kind of ambivalent about you to a place where we are passionate about you, that we would stand for you, that we would do the hard work of worshiping you and serving you in the private time so that when things get tough, we can serve you publicly like Daniel did. Help us, Father God, to be people of tenacious integrity so that we can serve you and we can serve our community and we can serve our world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.